Amen. Okay, so I think it's time for Wilma. But before she comes, I'm going to take her temperature. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm worried. Uh, uh, oh, she's good. Oh, good. So oh. <laughs> there is that moment. <laughs> so we're, we're good. We can have her on safely. And uh, we're talking about endings, closure, mm -hmm. and closures that, that don't feel great. Mm -hmm. And so I'll pray for you. Lord, we just pray for Wilma. We pray that you would bless her and um, help her to have the words that we need to hear and uh, speak to our hearts. And as we go through this, this time, this unprecedented time, in the name of Jesus, amen. amen. And remember to get ready for communion. We're going to do that a little later. Okay. Head over to the middle. I am well, apparently. <laughs> and cool. <laughs> oh, we've been on a journey, and uh, the journey has been through the elements. The elements that I kind of isolated and observed as we were going through a crisis and wondered if these same elements that we are that we experienced when we were going through the murder of our child would be applicable to COVID. And so far it has been, and it's been kind of interesting for us to watch this and observe this and, and in that way try to stay relevant. Like what are we going through? To be aware. That is part of mental health, in fact, is to be aware of what we're going through and being able to name it. So this morning we are on... Uh, elements 13, we've gone through 12 of them, and they have been relevant so far. So this is what I'd like to ask you, and you be part of this, is this, uh, this one, which we are going to call unsatisfactory closure, relevant to today. The way we experienced it was when our daughter was abducted, we waited for seven weeks. We thought, you know what? The minute her body is found... We were just so anxious. The minute her body's found, we're going to be able to get on with our lives. Her body was found, and there was a whole new raft of issues. And one of them was, if we could only find him who did it, we would that would explain everything. Well, there was an accused that was charged. It didn't solve anything. It was another raft of issues. And so we processed the whole process for 10 more years in trials and courts. And there was this constant waiting, always knowing there was another agenda that was bigger than ours. The systems had control over us. And then after that, we thought, well, once the final de declaration, would be, the verdict would be done, we would be free. And there was, he was acquitted. And then there was a whole nother raft of issues. And we're still, there's still one pending, and it's never going to be over. And so what does that say? And I don't think we're unique. I would like to say that once you have a conflict, once a conflict starts, there's an ending and there's a satisfactory closure. Well, that rarely happens, especially in the big ones. We have these impending decisions that we have to deal with. These, this waiting can hold us hostage. As we're waiting for the resolution or the reconciliation or the ending or the solution or the fixing of it, that waiting we can be held hostage and we can miss out on our own lives. In fact, it's been proven that often because we hate the tension of waiting, we will do anything to stop it. And we will choose unhealthy ways to stop it. We can be or we can shut down. 
we can say, okay, I'm going to wait. I'm not going to do anything until I'm going to just pray for this. And I'm going to just wait in this. I'm not going to do anything until it's fixed and finished and, and has a resolution. So either way, if we act irrationally or if we shut down, we're missing out. If Cliff and I would have waited and shut down all these lives, we would have missed 35 years of our lives. That's a lot of time. That's our life. So what does that say to us? And all of a sudden, eventually, we began to realize, no, we are not going to be shut down, and we're not going to have it dictate any irrational behavior because the first thing then we would do is get mad at each other, and our marriage would be over. Irrational behavior does unnatural, ugly things to us. So we decided to learn how to live in the tension, and that is not easy. It's not easy. And the person that I think of when I think of that, and, and especially this is applicable in COVID, like I've heard this over and over again, is if only the vaccination would come, if only this, the, the systems, the, po the politics would get their act, the politicians would get their act together, we would be able to get through this. And maybe they won't. Maybe the vaccination will never come. Maybe this is our new reality. Are we going to run out into the streets and just spread it? Are we going to stay in our homes and make sure we're going to be okay? How do we live with this new reality and not let the tension of COVID destroy us? The person that I always think about when I think of waiting is, is Moses. He's the perfect example. He murdered somebody and that caused the conflict of his life that dictated the rest of his life. He was no longer a in his role in Egypt, and he had to change his entire lifestyle. He had to flee into the desert, and there he waited for 40 years how to live in the desert. And he had to, but he learned. He learned, and he had victory over the desert elements. He really did, because when he went back, when God called him back to becoming a new type of leader for the Israels, the Hebrews, he learned, he had learned. He had learned while he was in the 40 years in the desert. So he led them for 40 years in the desert. But we know that he isn't perfect. He, it got to him. This waiting, this constant being controlled by the elements of that around him. And, and, and so what he did was one time God says, you know, just talk to the stone and it will bring forth water. And, and Moses had done a million miracles by now. He knew what, that that could happen, but he... He didn't listen to God. He took a, a rod and he struck it, not only once, but twice. And there was a kind of desperation. And of course the water came. But he had missed obeying, missed the waiting, the, the resorting to new learnings. And God was saying, don't always use the rod. This time I want you to use words. And oh, words are much more powerful than rods. And this is a huge lesson in life, and, and Moses missed it. He just struck the, the rod, and, and sure, it ended the tension, but it was the wrong way. And so the, the learning I think that I would like to talk about that we need to address this morning is, how do we wait? How do we not just wait in peace? <laughs> because it's never going to be peaceful. We are living in life, and no matter what, there's always going to be some tension in life. You might have, you might get over one, one hurdle, but you're going to be facing another. There's always a hurdle, or there's always a consistent hurdle in our lives that we have to wait for. 
And this morning in pre-service prayer, we had a beautiful discussion about faith. And one person used the image of sitting in the lap of God and waiting there. And how, how relaxing that is. Yes, the storm can come, the hurdles can be there, but somehow we're sitting in the lap of God. And that is so beautiful. The other person used the image of dancing. We don't just need to wait in the lap of God. We can dance in the lap of God. We can flow with it. We can enjoy it. We can embrace the tensions. We can embrace the tensions, and un unexpectedly we will find that there's a great deal of, of excitement. Hibernating, shutting down is boring, and that's stressful too. Embracing the tension, understanding it, exploring it can lead to a new kind of understanding of life, a new force, a new way of opening up for the waters to come. And, uh, and, just, and for that, we need to develop our faith to realize that even though there's unsatisfactory closure all around us, there is a closure that is coming that will be satisfactory. And that's what can hold us in faith until that moment. Bless you for listening to me at this point, and I'm going to invite Cyrus to come back. Well, thank you. Thank you for that, okay. talking about how to cope with this and how to be adaptable and, and do all of that. And I'm going to be talking about Watchmen. Can you pray for me? Yes. <laughs> oh, dear God, I just pray for Cyrus, Dr. Cyrus, Pastor Cyrus, Son Cyrus, all of them. I just pray that as he imparts the word, your word to us this morning, that you will fill him with your spirit. Just fill him with your words. Words are so powerful, Lord. We just want to embrace his words this morning. Allow them to move us, encompass us, and just give him the, the, the calmness <laughs> <laughs> and the beauty to do this for us this morning. Amen. 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 Oh, I'm good now. <laughs> I was sitting over here and I was just like, oh, I want to try it again. Why am I coming up as having a little bit of a temperature? Anyway. It wasn't a temperature. No, it wasn't. It was kind of getting close. and No, but I'm okay. And we are talking about... Um, talking about the, about closure and kind of not getting closure, wanting closure. And I want to talk about Watchmen today. I want to talk about, um, the call to be, um, people who stand on the wall and watch out for danger. People who stand on the wall and speak God's voice. Um, I'm wondering, Natasha, I think the... If you go check the bathroom, uh, sorry, just something in our house. The, um, let me just see here, make sure I start at the beginning. Right, so Ezekiel 3.17, which says, um, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. This was actually, uh, Ezekiel was a powerful message for me, maybe about six, nine months ago. And uh, the idea of being a watchman, the idea of 
being somebody connected to God and calling out things for nations, uh, for people groups, for churches, for um, for families, for yourself. These are things that are uh, kind of important to me. And so it was kind of interesting. Today's message was, you know, developing over the week. And uh, it was actually kind of a later thing that I felt God talking about Watchmen. And it just felt very powerful because I think God's doing something in our church and, and in me. And it feels very kind of holy and um and I'm talking about that destiny thing before you know like what God has for you and I feel like there's just this hint right now which is super exciting it's like hint of God pulling me and I believe Maplecrest towards something greater uh or something a specific purpose um and I another scripture about uh, watchman Isaiah 62 verse 6 on your walls O Jerusalem I have set watchmen all day and all the night they shall never be silent you who put the Lord in remembrance take no rest um, take no rest so there's these people who are called to be uh, on the walls who are ca- called to pay attention um, to what's going on around in the world and to look at it in a spiritual sense and to look at it through God's eyes and what God is really seeing uh, coming forward. And I believe this is actually a position. The reason why watchmen are hired or paid um, is because it's an unnatural thing to do. It's, it's work. It's um, challenging in our psychology. It's challenging for human beings to be alert like this. Uh, and I'm going to talk about that today. And it relates to these kind of unsatisfactory endings. Um, when people go through difficult things, when they're in pain, uh, we want it to end. We want to get away from the pain. It's like the primary response is we want to avoid. We want to escape. Um, and that's natural and it's not a bad thing. If the stove is hot and you touch the stove, you want your hand to get away. It's automatic. Our bodies are built to get away from things that are painful because painful things are damaging. They're, they're things that are bad for us. And so when you feel that pain, it's a signal. It's a signal like this isn't a good thing. Go away, get away from it. And so this is a very difficult thing for people to overcome. And really closure for, for me and the way I was thinking about it this week, it felt like the ability to stop attending to something, to stop paying attention to something. Uh, when you are in pain, you, uh, when you are actively engaged in a painful circumstance, uh, when you're actively engaged in a painful situation in your life, you have to pay attention to it. Your body pulls you into this attention. And as you get closure, you are able to pull your attention into other things, into the rest of your life. You're able to kind of continue your life without having to constantly think about that thing. And sometimes people will um, find closure. uh, They're they're unable to find closure. They pay attention too long. The circumstances over it has become irrelevant. That It's not something that they need to learn from anymore, but their brain is fixated on it and it continues to pay attention to it. They're trying to live their lives. They're trying to ignore it. They come into therapy and they're like, Cyrus, I try to think about other things. I watch television. I listen to music. I have people coming in. They're listening. They're wrecking their ears because they're listening to loud music, trying to not pay attention to the thing in their past that disturbed them so much. And so they're paying attention too long and they need to kind of be able to move on or find closure. Um, Now, the other thing, which 
looks quite different is when people don't pay attention long enough. They um, move on, they become impulsive. They are things that are dangerous, that are really dangerous in their lives, and they don't pay attention to it. They Or they did for a short period of time, and now they've moved on. And some of these people die because they're not paying attention to the dangers around them, and they're falling off cliffs or out of planes, or um, they're, they're doing kind of impulsive things, they're doing active things, and they're not aware of what's going on around them. And both of these are very disturbing and and dangerous uh, things. You can't live your life if you're just paying attention to things that are no longer relevant, and your life might end prematurely if you're not paying attention to real dangers that you need to pay attention to. Um, but the one thing that's in common with both of these groups is they don't want to pay attention to things that are painful. One group can't stop, but they still don't want to. And the other group doesn't want to, and they're actually able to get away from it sometimes prematurely. Um, and it's, we want to be in that place where we actually are aware of the things that are dangerous to us. And um, one, of the thing, one of the ways of thinking about this is um, we get this feeling of invincibility. Uh, we're, not, we're usually not aware of it. Um, we're not aware of this feeling of invincibility that we get until we actually have a problem. And, um, so people, what they do is they stop paying attention to the threats around them. They feel like they're invulnerable. It's not going to happen to me. They don't say that in there. You don't saying that in your mind, but then all of a sudden something bad happens. Like somebody dies in your life or you get a disease or you get into an accident and you're like, Oh, and I, like, I knew that could happen. Like I knew, but I don't feel like it would actually happen to me. Um, and it's very upsetting. One, it's upsetting that it happened. This person died, I, this disease happened, this accident happened. That's upsetting in itself. You lost something. You lost your health, you lost person, you lost an ability. Um, but the second part is I, you lose a piece of your invulnerability. Life is more dangerous. It's like, oh my goodness, things can happen to me. And that's scary. It's scary to live in a world where things can happen to you and you're not invulnerable. And it's easier to live in a world where you can just kind of pretend that things aren't there. When you don't have to pay attention to the dangers around you, when you move on too quickly, when you don't realize, that's what we do. We want to just not pay attention. We want to put the rose-colored glasses on and live in a world that's not dangerous. And so we've been in this series of COVID talking about kind of trauma and COVID and all these things that are happening. And what's probably going to happen is people are going to get annoyed that we're still talking about this. It's like, man, you guys, enough with the COVID. We want to avoid pain. Uh, and I think that we're kind of getting in this into this phase where people just don't want to talk about it anymore. And I have in my sessions, I have people coming in and they say, Cyrus, this is what happened. I don't want to think about it anymore. I want to be able to move on. I want you to get rid of it. And I would tell them, you know, one of the best ways to get rid of it is to talk about it. And then they don't want to talk about it. And they say, okay, we'll talk about it. And then every session is filled with them trying to distract me and not talk about it, even though they're paying good money for this. Um, and they, I told them what we need to do. Um, we, they, they spend, and I'm constantly having to pull them back. And to tell you the truth, I don't want to talk about it either. So it actually can be quite challenging. Um, to kind of pull both of us into this uncomfortable place that where they don't really want to be, and I don't really want to be, but we have to face it together. Um, and I think COVID is going to start to become that for people. It's going to become something that is there and we don't want to talk about it anymore. And we don't have to talk about it all the time, but it is a reality and it's something that we have to face. And um, 
That's what a watchman is. A watchman is somebody who pays attention to things, even though nobody wants to pay attention to them. There's three responses to watchmen. One is people listen to them. Something's coming. And people will say, oh, okay. Another response is people will ignore a watchman. Something's coming, and it's like, oh, we're not not listening to them anymore. They're just talking about this all the time. And the third response is, they kill the watchman. It's like, let's, you know what, maybe the problem isn't the thing that the watchman is saying is coming. Maybe the problem is the watchman. And they get rid of the thing that, that reminds them of the problems out there. And we kill the watchman, I mean, we kill, we destroy the things that remind us of the, of the problems out there all the time. We, um, we insulate ourselves and we feel invincible. And I'm not against that. We're made to kind of live in a world that, that is filled with faith and hope and love. But if you've been called to be a watchman, it's not easy. Because you're called to continue to pay attention to things even though you don't want to anymore. And even though nobody else wants you to pay attention to those things anymore. And that's what we want to talk about. We want to talk about how to be a watchman. How, and if Maplecrest, if you and Maplecrest, if, if Maplecrest itself is called to be a watchman, is called to be an alarm system uh, for the nations. And how does this relate to this spiritually? How does it relate to COVID? What is God saying about COVID? What is COVID? What, and what are we supposed to say about it to each other, to the nations? Uh, what are we supposed to say? When are we supposed to say it? What is God doing? And, um, yeah, so this, and it's really challenging because we're, human beings are very poor at like analyzing threat. We see threats where there's no threat and we ignore threats when they're real. Like for example, uh, we have a, I think one in, yeah, it's one in seven, one in six chance of getting heart disease. We should be terrified of chocolate. Like we should be like having a panic attack when people bring it around us. Like we should be, uh, terrified of like not working out you know, like not exercising, it should, it should cause shivers, you know, it's like, whoa, you took a risk today, you know, it's like, you're walking on a tightrope, like, that's terrifying, you know, like, you didn't work out, you smoked a cigarette, it's like, oh my goodness, like, one in six chance, like, this is extremely threatening, the chances of dying in a plane crash are too low to calculate, uh, I can't even, find an odd. I mean, maybe there is one on the website I looked at. It was too low to calculate the odds of dying in a plane. It's so rare for people to die in a plane crash. And this is the threat that I'm dealing with. People will come in and, and to tell you the truth, people come in sometimes for therapy about food, but it's almost never about dying from it. It's, uh, it's about, uh, kind of looking good or, or, or you know, things like that. But, uh, people come in cause they're afraid to die of dying from a plane crash, which is the odds are so low. It's hard to calculate what actually the odds are. Um, we're in some ways, terrible at threat analysis. We need the Lord's help in order to actually know what the real threat is. What do we really need to be talking about uh, to people? And I don't want to be a person who says peace when there is no peace. I want to be a person who is aware of what the Lord is saying uh, about the threats that are happening to people in our culture, to people in our cities. I want to be able to blow a trumpet and say, watch something is coming, or this is a real threat, this is a real thing, and even though you want to ignore it, I'm here to say that it's real, and, um, and knowing how to do that, and when to do that, and, and all those details too. 
I'm always kind of being faced with the threats of our world because people come in with, with I, I deal with MPI quite a bit. And so people are coming in with car accident injuries and things like this. And so it's hard for me to kind of ignore these threats, you know, because it's like, yeah, you know, people get into car accidents. And I probably have an exaggerated sense of how dangerous this is. Um, and uh, just to give you an example, I have people coming in with hand injuries. This is a little tip. If you are grabbing a steering wheel, I, I see it more in women. I don't know if it's maybe hand strength or something like that but if if um, if you are grabbing a steering wheel you should not grab it like this you should not like grab around the steering wheel you should grab it like this with your thumb on the top that's what I try to do now of course if I was actually in a collision I'd probably grip the steering wheel like this so I'd be driving around all day like this and then when I really need to not grab it like this I probably will but anyway don't do this because when the airbag goes off your thumb can get caught in the airbag and get blown back and it can like really injure your hand. So anyway, I am being a watchman for you right now. <laughs> this is your example of being a watchman. Grab the steering wheel like this so that if the airbag goes off, your thumbs don't get taken out. Because if you don't have your thumbs, anyway, it's a really big deal. <laughs> it, can it, it, can, it can be hard to live your life without thumbs. It's a big injury. Um, so I have people coming in and having reconstructive surgery on their thumbs all the time because of airbags. It's better than getting your head crushed, obviously, so we're not going to stop with the airbags. But, anyway, we have to be watchmen, and so that's an example. And as a church, this reality of avoiding pain, the spiritual reality of trying to get away uh, from thinking about horrible things has invaded our churches. We don't want to think about horrible things anymore. Uh, we don't want to think about pain uh, it's like I'm dealing with people with trauma when I go to church. They're all just trying to think about the positive things. They tune out anything negative in the Bible or anything negative in our world. And they're just like, everything's fine and everything's good. And it's peace when there is no peace. We need, we as Christians are the ones who need to be able to face hard things. Um, we, we, can't, we can't ignore it. We can't feel invincible. Um, we can't discount threats. Um, it has dire consequences. First Peter 5, verse 7. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. We don't have to be anxious, but we have to be aware. I'm not calling you to be anxious. I'm calling you to be a watchman. It's hard to do both, though. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. We're supposed to be there watching for this devil coming to devour while not being anxious. That's the call. And we don't deny problems. Habakkuk 2 verse 2, I will, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look to, out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. We are supposed to stand there and watch what he will say. So what do we do as watchmen? What are the primary tasks that we need to be able to do? We need to be able to pay attention that things, to things that people don't want to pay attention to, that people want to ignore. People want to get away from pain, and we're supposed to be watching the land. We're supposed to be watching the sky. We're supposed to identify the threats. And one of the things that's really important if you have a call to be a watchman is to be very aware of the goodness of God and to have it settled in your spirit that God is good. People try to get to the goodness of God by ignoring the threat. It's kind of like either God's good and there is no threat or there is a threat and God isn't good. No, it's like there's a threat 
There's a prowling lion and we're not supposed to be anxious because God is good. So we're supposed to have both. We're not supposed to go to this place where there is no threat and God is good and everything is just fine for everybody. No, we have to go to a place where there is a threat. We are watchmen and God is good. And so you have to have it settled. You have to work towards and keeping it settled. It's something that activates in us when we see threats to think, how could God be good? And we have to have it settled in our spirit and work on that to keeping this place where we're watching not just for threats but but keeping our gaze on the Lord so that we can remember that God is good and beautiful and loves us and loves humanity and then we have to be patient Um, we have to be able to exist in a world where things are wrong and that it's going to take a long time Uh, we have to be able to be patient and patience is not the same as resignation or apathy or acceptance Patience is not acceptance. Patience is not apathy. A patience can be active. It's, um, we are supposed to be long-suffering. We are supposed to be actively watching for the Lord, actively activating with him uh, in our world that is in danger. And a watchman is supposed to actively watch and, and patrol. Um, so it's not about... Um, Either we don't accept this and it, and deny it, or if we say it's real, that means we're accepting it. No, we say it's real, we're patient with it, and we are active in what the Lord is doing around that thing. Um, when I felt like the Lord really wanted to say something about kind of the dynamic around his judgment and the dynamic around evil in the world. And there's so much to say about it, but this is the thing that kind of struck my heart today uh, about this. And that was Romans 2, 5. But because uh, because of your hand and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. So we think about judgment as the devil sneaking through or God actively judging the nations in terms of like God bringing his um, hatred or um, his negativity. Um, I think a picture that I want to paint for you today is um, like a dam. Like there's this big dam around a city and it's called the dam is called God's mercy and God's favor and God's patience and behind the dam the water is rising and that's like our our nations and people's sin the worship of demons this this judgment this deserved consequence the, the leaving of the Lord, the allowing of natura, natural consequences. But there's this dam in the way. And when this judgment is released, it's just God saying, a, like most of the time, just a little bit, this is what happens. This is the actual consequence for what you're doing. This is, it's not something where I am bringing something Uh, to you it's more like I'm releasing I'm not protecting you anymore from your own decisions you've asked for demons for so long and I've protected you from what you're asking but you really are asking for demons so I think today I'm actually gonna get let you get what you want 
I'm going to, I'm going to give you what you've been asking for. I'm actually going to open up the dam a little bit and pour out some of what you have actually been storing up for yourself. And you're going to have to live with the consequences of what you've been asking for. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to move more from mercy into justice. Um, just give you a piece of it. So it's not the Lord's evil that's coming into, uh, the Lord is good. And it's just like, I'm just going to, I'm not going to stop the water that you have been uh, asking for, for so long. I'm going to let this judgment pour out. And these, this wall is called a, often in the Bible referred to as a bowl. It's referred to, it's a, it's something that contains it. Um, this bowl of judgment that's going to be poured out. It's a letter that's sealed up. Uh, that's going to be unsealed. This thing that has been kept at bay, that there's this wall in place, and it's going to eventually not be there in full. One day people will have to deal with the full consequences of what they've dealt with, of what they've asked for, of what they've rejected. Um, but even in this age, there will be times when God will release it, strategically will release the actual consequences of sin and the rejection of the Lord in order to bring out love in people. Um, because people will mistake, they, they mistake patience for approval. They believe that if I'm actually okay right now, God must be happy with what's happening. And they mistake mercy and grace for approval. It rains on the sinners and the saints. That's this grace that's been given. And every once in a while, it's like, oh, you need to know what you're actually asking for. So I'm going to release a little bit of it. Uh, and that's actually demons being released. It's like, God, it's like, I'm not going to hold back these demons. Like, I'm not going to keep them at bay. Uh, you've been asking for demons. I'm going to give them to you. They're going to do things to you because you've been asking for them. And I'm, I'm going to do that so that you know what you're doing. You know, actually what you've been asking for. Uh, but I'm not going to allow it to destroy you uh, so that you can still have more time. One day it will destroy. One day it will. We will be washed. Our world will be washed um, and cleaned. We pray for the Lord to bring his kingdom, but the kingdom doesn't come until it's been cleaned. And that's what judgment can be. It's this washing away. Unless Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. The only reason we have any cities is because the Lord has created a bowl for the judgment of those cities. He is watching over us, protecting us from the things that we have asked for, the things that the world is asking for. And unless the Lord does that, there wouldn't be a city. It would just be destroyed very quickly by what people actually do in their lives, by the sin of this world. The world is only the way it is, is because of God's patience and favor. And the watchmen, as watchmen, we're seeing this bowl and we're watching it. Like we're supposed to be the ones who are sitting here watching this bowl, being like, people, you're filling up the bowl. Don't you see what you're doing? You're, you're storing up judgment for yourself and this isn't going to last forever. Your life is only going to last so long. This nation can only exist this way for so long and then the bowl will be poured out. The, the natural consequences, the, the right judgment of this world will be released by the Lord, not uh, because the Lord wants to hurt people, but because the Lord is saying, look, this is what you're doing. This is what you're asking for. COVID is gentle. That might sound weird to some of you. COVID is this very, very, very small measure of what people have been storing up for a very long time. When you think about hell versus COVID, there's no comparison. We have a dad 
up there who's got his hand over all of the judgment and, and saying, not yet. I'm going to give them another day. I'm going to give them another year. But I need to remind them of what's actually happening so they don't think I'm happy. So that they realize what's actually going on up here. And as watchmen, we're looking at our dad and we're saying, Father, bring down your mercy. Build the wall. Protect us from what this world deserves. And when he does release it, we are actively helping people to deal with the, with the demons that are, re, are released, the demons that people have been praying to be released, that have been, they've been worshipping these uh, satanic realities without even being aware of it, some of them aware, some of them not. And it's the actual consequences that are being released, and we're supposed to help them with that and, and, and clean people from these demons that are being released. We're supposed to actively protect people and be a part of this so that they understand the dynamics around it. We're supposed to do all of that. And we're supposed to be watching for the Lord and sometimes even actually praying for him. When you pray, Lord, release your kingdom, Lord, save my family, you might actually be praying for him to pour out the bowl. So we're praying for the bowl to be released. We're praying for the bowl to not be released. We're supposed to be in dynamics, constantly communicating with the Lord about, about the judgments and, and the consequences of sin. And we're supposed to be warning the people about these things. And, and protecting them from them and working with people with the consequences of the sin that the Lord has allowed to actually happen so that they can be aware and can learn from them and to can follow him. But COVID, again, is just this gentle, gentle, gentle release of this overwhelming flood of judgment that the Lord is holding back because the Lord loves his people and wants them to turn. No, it doesn't want to just destroy them. He wants them to turn. And you might say something like, why am I experiencing COVID? And that's a good question. Why are you experiencing the judgments on the earth? We're saved. We're, we're under grace fully. We're under um, the blood of Jesus. Why are we experiencing it? And that's because we're salt. And what do you put salt on? Rotten meat. You put it on the meat to preserve it. You don't take the salt and separate it out from the meat. We're supposed to be right in there experiencing what the people are experiencing, helping to preserve it, helping the watchmen are salt. We're supposed to be in there with it, experiencing what... Jesus was perfect and he was put right into it to experience these judgments with the people. Uh, and we get like we get uh, miracles and salvation and protection and... Sorry, not salvation. Uh, we get favor and all these things in measures. But we also are with the people to protect them, to preserve them, uh, because God wants his people to save, to preserve, to go in and, and help the people through these judgments. So, um, we can't be like the rest of the world and just feel invincible and ignore. We can't say, oh, okay, COVID is done. We don't have to think about that. We, we have to think about every disease. We have to be we are here to heal people. We have to be thinking about all these diseases. And these diseases are opportunities. We need to warn people. Like we need to be out there. I don't know exactly what we always need to be doing with COVID. So I'm not giving you instructions about like how to manage COVID right now. But there is a place to kind of say, hey, people, this is real. Like this is a, this actually kills people. Like the flu and like uh, cancer and like every other disease, it it actually has danger to it and it kills people. And and. We, you need to follow the Lord like you, and we can heal you of this. And this is something that's really important. Um, and we can't fall into this place of just like, oh, the world is what it is. Um, you know, where are we going for a holiday?
you know, and just get into this place where we, we do the natural thing that people want to do, which is to just kind of find an ending and so that we can be more comfortable. Um, Ezekiel 3.17, I said, read this at the beginning. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. We have been called to go against psychology. We've been called to do something unnatural, which is to pay attention to the hard things in life and not be overcome by them, to be connected with the Lord so that we can watch all these hard things and know that the Lord is beautiful. To not be afraid, but to be sober-minded and watch for the demons, the the devil prowling at the gate, taking uh, our family, taking our children, uh, taking our cities. Um, and so we need to be settled that the, that God is beautiful and glorious. We need to be watching him to, meet, to encourage ourselves and not get anxious. Um, we need to be like the Lord and to be in with his people, to be in with uh, the world and to be uh, working to save them and so they can understand what's happening. Um, and uh, we need to help them to not be lost. Um, and we, we also need direction from the Lord because sometimes we're supposed to actually, I believe sometimes we're actually supposed to pray for God to release his judgment. Uh, we, I think we do it unknowingly most of the time when we pray for people to be saved, when we pray for, for the Lord's kingdom to come, we may actually be praying down judgment. We do it accidentally sometimes, but I would love to be a people who are so aware of God's heartbeat that we would be able to move with the rhythms of God to pray for his grace and also to pray for his um, discipline um, in, an, in a loving way, not out of anger, uh, but out of uh, God, come and save your people. Uh, come and turn them and to prophetically understand what God's doing in each season uh, and what we're supposed to pray because God has called us uh, to be a part of his plan in every way. 